Previously on Carcone Carne. At some point we'll get that new music, which is awesome. Long overdue. We need a label. We gotta mix it. We'll get a label though. Either that we'll put it on our selfie thing. It's Carcone Carne. We're just past the midway point of dry January, and if you need some inspiration to keep it going, grab yourself a four-pack of NA beer from Wellbeing. Uh, right now, I'm holding up. I'm drinking their Going Places IPA. It's brewed with a blend of three West Coast hops. It has a refreshingly crisp, effervescent bitterness balanced by aromatic notes of citrus, mango, and pineapple. It's the perfect travel partner for any adventure or for just sitting in your home office to record a podcast. Cheers. Wellbeing also just released an oatmeal cookie stout. It's ridiculous, and it's also super limited. Check out all the beers at wellbeingbrewing.com and take 10% off your online order with my promo code, JVO. You know a podcast is legit if it has a promo code. Everyone wins. You get a high-quality, delicious, non-alcoholic beer. I get to prove that people listen to the podcast. Wellbeing stuff is seriously great. Celebrate the joy of January with Wellbeing. Quick programming note, I'm recording this on Monday the 17th. Next Monday, the 24th, I'm recording episode number 700 or 700, if you're from Chicago, of Carcon Carney. I started this show almost eight years ago. It's a crazy milestone to hit. Uh, I'm not going to say too much about it. I, I gave you a hint about it on social media, but episode 700 of Carcon Carney happens next week. So at this point in the evening, you may be thinking to yourself, why me? Why am I down? Why feel I'm not whole so far below. But then you realize, holy shit, it's not a mood. It's the fact that naked freaking ray gun is on car cone carne. That's right. Naked ray gun. They're all here. Uh, hi, guys. Thank you for being part of the show tonight. Naked ray gun. Where? Naked ray gun. Can you believe it? Uh, this hey, hey, album. James, so, yes. so you had a you have a sponsor for for dry January. Did you have a spot like a sponsor for uh, no nut? november or what what was it uh, <laughs> oh yeah what that was that was a thing right yeah I, it was news to me and i did not participate i i will admit but and um couldn't we just leave it to grow a mustache in november why do we have to go in that direction um, it was a weird one yeah <laughs> i don't i don't get it uh, uh, but the, the point the is this to be behind it though the point is this. Uh, I have with me tonight, I've got Jeff, I've got Eric, I've got Bill, I've got Fritz, I've got Naked Raygun. The new album is fantastic. It is over the overlords on wax tracks, a, a convergence of everything awesome about Chicago. And what's interesting, the response to the album, you read what people say, you hear what people say, and it's strange. There's almost like a sense of relief, like, oh, fuck, it's really good. Of course, it's Naked Raygun. Of course, it's good. But the point is, age and the passage of time carry kind of a weird stigma in music, I guess, in the world at large. Did you feel any of that pressure, like coming back after literal decades and reclaiming your proverbial punk rock throne? I, I didn't, we, I don't think we felt any pressure uh, coming back after so long because so little was expected of us. Um, and I, I think the assumption was it was going to suck because it had been, you know, 30 freaking years since we put out our last record. 
Um, which I totally get. I totally, totally get that because bands that I love or loved uh, came back after like extended hiatuses and, and they just put out, you know, just a turd of an album. And you're thinking like, wow, I wish they really wouldn't have done that. And, um, you know, I mean, sometimes they've been so awful and of course I won't mention any names. Uh, that it like may actually kind of make you rethink, you know, how your relationship to the band. Um, but I, I think we knew we were sitting on something good, so we didn't have any trepidations about about putting this out there. Um, we all thought it was pretty good, so there you go. And today, a guy on YouTube, which means it's true. Um, said we put out the best Chicago rock record of 2021 beating out sticks so suck it sticks and cheap <laughs> trick and cheap trick i love them but you know suck it and and uh who's the other band rise against yeah so suck it rise against <laughs> I, that would be crushing if i were if i were tim or joe of rise against i'd feel crushed to have if bill say that to me that, that that'd be they look up to you oh we're pals with them okay good thank goodness <laughs> So I know everyone contributes to Naked Ray Gun songs. Did you guys just hit a point, hit a consensus where you're like, yeah, we, this has to be an album. We have to move forward with a full release. And when did that happen? Um, I, I, I think we, you know, we had, we had done some singles, you know, from like 2010-ish to 2012-ish, something like that. Uh, three singles and we went back into the studio. Uh, we had some new material and we thought, well, we'll put out more singles. Maybe we'll get really ambitious and do an EP or something, you know, like a four song EP. So I think we recorded five songs in the first session and things were sounding really, really good, like better than they ought to have been sounding. Um, so we thought, hey, we should just go ahead and write a full record. We're all, you know, halfway there. Um, so we did. And there you go. I think you led from just a, a release perspective with the most obvious song to release from the album, Living in the Good Times. It's it's a no-brainer. It's a home run. The video, I, I thought, reinforced everything that I've come to know about Naked Reagan. It reinforced that sense of community. And furthermore, it reinforced that sense of community during a time when we really needed to feel it. I, I'm sure you've talked at length about the making of the video, but share a little of the thought process behind, you know, jumping on the roof of Cobra and doing that and having, having everyone sing along. Well, really, all the fans that participated, if they could. So uh, I'm glad we got to do that. Um, we also wanted to get a little tip of the hat to Cobra Lounge. They've been so good to us. You got the whole full tour of Cobra Lounge in the floor to the first floor to the, to the roof, actually. And uh, I don't know, we just uh, thought that'd be a good place to shoot it. So we did. It was really cold that day, though. It was really <laughs> yeah. Also, we, we have practiced for, I mean, I don't know, 12, 15 years at this point, probably, at, at on the fourth floor apartment at Cobra Lounge. Uh, that's our, our practice space. So it was really getting easy getting everything from the, from the fourth floor up onto the roof. So <laughs> it was opportunistic. And how do you beat that shot of the skyline? You can't. You right? don't. You don't. And the gas mask. Oh, oh my God. Uh, I love the line. So enough with all this talk about revolution. What we really need 
is some evolution. Uh, there's some great lyrical messages, Jeff, uh, on this album. Uh, and spiraling out of living in the good times, farewell to arms, which is tucked away in the back of the album song talking about gun control. Are you surprised? And I ask this because I am that more bands aren't taking on issues like this. I, I feel like there's been a, a lack, a paucity, a dearth of political music over the past few years when I feel like we need to hear it most. Yeah, there's not very many political bands out there anymore. Whatever happened to uh, kill MDC, millions of dead cops. <laughs> but seriously, um, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I'm pretty strong feeling about guns. I'm really anti-gun, and uh, I live where everybody has a gun. Everybody has more than one gun out here, but uh, we don't have any guns. Yeah, because you're pretty rural. That you're in gun country. Yeah, I'm in gun country. He's a country squire. He is a country squire. <laughs> the uh, fans are picking up the, the political thing, though. There's so many, so many, so many sides to take if you want to take them. You know, people are rushing the Capitol building and all sorts of crazy shit going on. Uh, the timing is right for Naked Reagan to return to our, our our general consciousness. One of my favorite songs, unrelated, on the album is "Superheroes." I'm just sitting here whistling Pixies. Wondering how it is you could nix me. Uh, the reference to the Pixies was they were contemporaries of yours at one point, weren't they? Yeah, they were. Bill wrote, Bill wrote that song. He wrote the whole thing. Um, what about the Bill? What about that? Well, I'm just sitting here whistling Dixie is kind of lame compared to I'm just sitting here whistling Pixies. Um, and I, 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 we're all big Pixies fans. We were, you know, we, I, I think me and Eric went to see him one time way back in the day. Um, you know, I, I, I still have a lot of respect for him, um, no matter who's playing the bass nowadays. Um, so yeah, it was, it was a, a nice little shout out and a little kind of a happy accident that it actually, you know, Pixies and Nick's me rhyme. <laughs> They were, they're, 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 they're totally a contemporary of ours. So we, I remember being in radio stations and colleges, and they had like just left the station. We were coming in the Butler door, and they, we released a record at the same time they released one of theirs, I think Doolittle maybe. And uh, we were very, very much happening at the same time. Yeah, it, it, except they became huge on a global scale, and then right. we, we, we just broke up. Right. <laughs> well, there's only that. Uh, you know, Bill, that's that Showbiz 101, man. Leave them wanting more. Take your oh, exit. Wait, wait for the album that's coming out in 2051. <laughs> that's going to blow your mind, man. <laughs> well, nostalgia plays into a lot of people's memories mm-hmm. of Naked Ray Gun, thoughts of Naked Ray Gun. And to that, and I mentioned the video to Living in the Good Times, the video to Broken Things. Not not a new song. I mean, certainly one of the less new songs on the album. Um, for the video, you use old band flyers as kind of a backdrop for a lyric video. What do you guys think of when you look back on old flyers? Do you, do you think about the old shows that that moment in time? Uh, the the you know DIY pasting together and hanging flyers up on on posts and dropping them off at record stores. Where where does your sense of nostalgia hit? I think about all that, all those things. Yeah. Think about how, how sometimes sometimes the prices on a poster, you know, how much it is to get in. Usually it's five bucks. Five bucks? What do you think? I won the lotto? <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty incredible. 
How about, how about three bucks? Yeah, three bucks. Three bucks, five bucks. Um, you know, it's it, it, yeah, I, I do get a fluttering heart and all nostalgic and weepy eyed when seeing the old flyers and all that. But man, I tell you, you know, just posting something on Facebook or Instagram is a whole hell of a lot easier and the For graphics sure. are a lot better. So, you know. I, I think back to all the, the dark, seedy neighborhoods and joints you used to play back in the day. Everything seems brighter, stacked with high-end condos. I mean, Wrigleyville, for example, unrecognizable from when you guys first started playing it when you were starting out. Completely different in every way. I had a restaurant that I, I bone marrow for dinner. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. And before there used to be marrow on the curbs and on the street. Right. Um, what, what was that bar at um, Armitage and Racine? West End. West End. That used to be a crap neighborhood. Yeah, that's bad. It's scary. I mean, that was like a really dodgy place to go see a show. And I mean, now, right? I mean. When I started going to Chicago, where, where uh, Shubas is, it was really scary. Really fucking scary. Yeah, unthinkable now. Now it's like $750,000 single family homes. Right. Totally different. I, I, I need to bring up the fact that the album's out on wax tracks because, you know, for me, that, that kid growing up in the area, discovering Naked Raygun, I, I was discovering Raygun at the same time I was discovering wax tracks and going to the store on Lincoln Avenue. Perceptually, I, I think I, I want to believe that wax tracks and Raygun kind of ran on parallel tracks back in the day, but was there overlap in, in, in artists, contemporaries, fans? Wax Tracks is always a great place to go to find new music. Jim and Danny, Jim Nash and Danny, his partner in crime, would uh, always play some. When I walked in, they'd always say, hey, Jeff, you got to listen to this. And they put a new Joy Division song or something really kick ass, and I, eventually I would buy it. But uh, little known, my brother used to work on the second floor and sell clothes and, and fanzines. And my sister was the first, and the first, and for a long time, the only uh, employee of the record label. She works for the record label. She worked in the Wax Tracks building on another floor, but um, she did that for a long time. She was she actually she was in the cover of a ministry album too. Her face. That's well, amazing. We've been on, uh, uh, a lot of ties with, with, with Wax Tracks. Yeah, and Eric Eric played on the Palehead record. Right. Uh, and we, we and I worked. At, I, worked at, I worked at Kinkles. It was right next door to That's Wax right. Tracks. Perfect. I work on the Star and Damon. Yeah, was my he, he used to record at Chicago Tracks, which was kind of the uh, the house studio for Al Jorgensen mm -hmm. and all his like side projects, which were all on Wax Tracks. So, um, you know, he was always coming in. To, well, and we used we used uh, his engineer in the studio. He he produced our our last record, unfortunately, because it sounded really <laughs> horrible. But. Um, yeah, you know, we'd we'd always see uh, Al and all his uh, entourage in the studio, and we'd have to, you know, like put the mirrors back up onto the uh, pick it up yeah. off the toilet, put it back on the wall. Yeah, and I don't, I don't even think you're talking out of school, Bill, because I mean that was the reputation of tracks back in the day, Sodom and Gomorrah. Uh, yeah, and then there was us who were just like ordering takeout from Leona's, you know. <laughs> A lot of takeout. 
I, I do miss the Leonas on Sheridan Road. Uh, but Jeff, last time I interviewed you is probably a few years ago. You knew that an album was in the works. You knew it was in flux as far as how you'd put it out. The Wax Tracks connection, how did it feel to kind of come to an agreement there? Because to me, it's like two superpowers coming together. It's like Batman and Superman coming together saying, yes, we will fight Lex Luthor together. Well, I, I knew Julian Nash quite a bit. So we, we, we ran through throughout the years. Pretty friendly, friendly, pretty friendly with her. And we just thought it was a good match. We didn't really seek each other out. We kind of just thought of each other. I don't know. We, we originally were going to put it out on another label out on the West Coast, and then we were going to do it ourselves. And we figured that was too much of a pain in the ass. And then Wax Tracks came up and decided to ask them if they'd like it. They'd like to do their album. And I said, yeah. So and it melded, melded very nicely. So we can't talk about Naked Raygun. We can't talk about this album without talking about Pierre Kesey. He passed away at only 58. Can you guys tell me or tell us what kind of person he was, what kind of musician he was? Yeah, he was, an, he was a pretty incredible musician. He, he would write songs that I, I could never write, you know. He, would write, he had a different approach to music. He... he, he uh, Knew a lot about music theory, and uh, but he didn't, he didn't let that get in the way of his songwriting, which can happen pretty easily. But he's just a great songwriter. He wrote some great lyrics and really thought about, thought about his music a lot. He just can't say enough about the guy. And some really unique songwriting, I thought. And his mantra was, "Oh, just keep it simple, keep it simple." And then he comes up with these songs like, "Pierre, this is like the farthest thing from simple," you know. Um, but yeah, he, he, he was a great guy. Um, you know, I, yeah, I'm honored that, you know, I was able to call him a friend for so long and there'll never be an, another peer. Kezi, absolutely not. Um, he also knew everything, everything there was to know. He knew something about. Very learned guy. Not finishing high school, very learned guy. And I, you guys have seen and done and been through so much shit. I mean, you put another tragedy you, you've been peripherally associated with on the album. I don't even know how to phrase it, but Ode to Sean McHugh uh, is a big moment on this album. Um, he passed a few years ago. What do you think his reaction would be to being immortalized in song on this album? He'd probably be humbled. Yeah. He was a really important guy to us because he uh, practiced his space. He had a deal with him, a handshake deal. That he could use the name All Rise for his brewery as long as we could drink and eat at his, at his bar and, and restaurant for free forever. And that was a deal. And, oh, and practice, practice on the fourth floor too, yeah. He could use the name All Rise as much as he wanted to. So that was a handshake deal. When his brother took over the business, he presented us with a one-and-a-half-inch thick document from Winston Strawn law firm to sign and Lou said, fuck that. We're not doing that. So we just kept it at a handshake deal. Uh, Lou is here. Lou manages naked Ray gun and he wanted to come on. I'm assuming to talk about Pierre. Hey Lou. Yeah. Hey Lou. Hey, how you doing? Hi guys. Yeah, actually James, there's actually two points that I think are important to make with regards to the two last things that you talked about, which was a Pierre Kesey and B wax tracks. I think, you know, we'd be remiss if we didn't mention that, part of the whole wax tracks thing came about actually was when I was talking to Pierre <clears throat> towards the end, um, 
the realization came to me that the very first Wax Tracks album ever produced was his album, um, which is Strike Under was was Wax Tracks like zero 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 one zero one. Yep. So with that, I kind of that's what kind of spurred the idea and the thought of potentially marrying the two things together. So you have basically Pierre Kezzi's first album on Wax Tracks and unfortunately his last album on Wax Tracks. And Elephant's Graveyard is such a lasting, enduring song from that period. Definitely a great song. Great songs. Yep. Such a great song. Uh, well, thank you for that, Lou. I appreciate yep. that. Uh, so, Looking ahead, everything is so weird right now, guys. I, I, I don't even know how to how to go about this. But if we ever get out from under the plague, what, what's the goal and vision for Naked Raygun moving forward? Well, we plan to re-release those singles. They were originally on Ryefest Records. They were very well, well, not well distributed, I don't think. So we want to release release those singles, both the A sides and the B sides. Put them on one album. Maybe record five new, five or six new songs and put that out as an album. That's awesome. That's awesome. And uh, I, I don't want to ask you a loaded question, but here's a loaded question. Is All Rise the best Naked Reagan album? <laughs> I don't know. This new, one, this new one's pretty good, too. New one's awesome. I mean, I you know, pick one. I mean, honestly, I you can't really go wrong. See, I, I would still pick Throb Throb. Yeah. Right? I mean, it's weird. It's well, only in America, I think, is not liar on that one. Is that what? It's an outlier. It, it, it's uh, the most unusual, I guess. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you what. More unusual than leeches? <laughs> Fair. <laughs> Fair. Uh, yeah. Okay. Rat Patrol stuff. <laughs> the top of is very widespreadly known. No, no, I, I spread. Um, I, I knew that the sound man at Cobra Lounge, Danny, he said there's not one week that went by that a band didn't play uh, Rap Patrol. He said, everybody plays Rap Patrol. Like as a cover or like just over the oh, house? Yeah. If it was a heavy metal band, they played Rap Patrol. If the screamo band, they played Rap Eventually, they played Rap Patrol. It was. Uh, Whatever kind of band it was, it would, a reggae band, they would play a rap patrol. He said, every week I hear a rap patrol as I'm doing sound. Crazy. I feel like any band that uses a whoa, 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 whoa in their songs should pay you like a $5 royalty every time they utter that on stage. <laughs> that all started with yeah, you. Yeah, and then, and then we'll give Glenn Danzig 450 of that $5 royalty. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. All right, Naked Ray Gun. Holy crap. I can't even believe you're all here. Uh, the new album over the overlords. It's, it's an achievement. Is it worth the wait? Yeah, it's worth the wait. I, we were happy to, to stick it out and get new music from you in the form of a full album. Uh, I love and adore you guys. The city loves and adore you guys. And I really appreciate you doing this tonight. Well, we love and adore and adore you too. So. 